Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. This is Internet Marketing. So welcome back to the show where we give you the lowdown, the inside information and the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Internet marketing is brought to you by AI Digital at www.ai-digital.com. And in episode 40, we examine the best ways of using email in your internet marketing arsenal, everything from selecting the right subject line to how people read email. And we talk to Kieran Rogers about how he is integrating an email marketing analysis tool with his CRM system. All coming up in Internet Marketing. Hello everyone, Andy White here and welcome to another episode of Internet Marketing with our resident expert, Mr. Daniel Rouse. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Daniel. Now, let's start off with um, where we would normally have the news. Uh, you've got a sort of uh, newsy type comment to make, haven't you? Because you've been reading a certain book that I have also not read but listened to. Yeah, um, there's a fantastic book called The 4-Hour Workweek by uh, Timothy Ferris. And not only is it a fantastic read, it's a very engaging, entertaining book. Um, there's some really practical stuff in there on uh, being more effective and shortening the amount of time you waste on doing stupid things at work. And um, I'll let you read the book, but I definitely recommend it as a read. Um, it's very entertaining. And Timothy Ferris is one of those uh, hugely irritating people that seems to have done an awful lot with his life and is very engaging and talented and witty and all the kind of things you dislike in a person. And he's younger than us, I think, isn't he, Dan? Yeah, he's 29, I think, if I, for the last time I remember reading. So he maybe... He's only a bit younger than me then. Yeah, exactly. Only a couple of weeks, probably, Andy. Um, the... Uh, the key thing I wanted to pick out is after reading the book, one of the things that Tim, I'll call him now, um, recommends is building these businesses that basically can residual income coming in. And he talks a fair bit about how you can use internet marketing, digital marketing for do that. Now, what I was really impressed with is that he's really filtered down some of the best websites, some of the best references, some of the best tutorials and services you can use. Okay, So first of all, go out and buy the book. Go to the website, which is 4hourworkweek.com, where it's got his blog on there and there's some extensions on these kind of things. But there's a references section on there. And if you buy the book and go to the website, you pick a password out of the book. There's a kind of hidden word in the book. And you can go to the tools and tricks section. And there is some absolutely brilliant stuff in there for um, calculating how effective a business may be, but also looking at return from pay-per-click campaigns which I thought was particularly useful for some of our listeners. Um, some great places for 
looking at where you can get tutorials and further information on setting up kind of internet businesses as well. And I just think it's a good resource. So go and have a look, um, fourhourworkweek.com. There's some good articles in there on Twitter and how to use blogging um, and a whole host of other really interesting stuff that's got absolutely nothing to do with digital marketing as well. But I'd recommend having a look at the website. And if you like the look at the website, uh, maybe go and grab the book and then I'll, uh, I'll expect to see my royalty soon, please, Tim. <laughs> now, today's main uh, subject, Dan, is uh, making email marketing more effective yeah absolutely yeah the we go out and talk about email marketing all the time and we've mentioned it on the on the podcast a few times as well and we, we kind of talked about the basics of getting your list right and don't be too spammy and you know delivery results and all those kind of things now i think there's some key tips just to take a step back from that and actually think about you know what what's the most important thing and we've done some training recently that has really reinforced this and testing of this whole thing. And I just wanted to go a few top tips in terms of email marketing and what can be effective. Because email marketing is such a cheap route to market. And with the current economic situation in the US and in the UK and kind of spreading through Europe, um, people are tightening up their marketing budgets. They're looking how they can spend their money more effectively, which they should probably be doing all the time anyway, but it's coming into its own a bit more at the moment. So I thought I'd just say, look, look at these key things and then see how that kind of improves your, your email marketing. Because email marketing is one of those things, if you get it right, can be fantastically useful. So a couple of key things. Get the subject line right. Such an obvious thing that people get horribly wrong. You need to make sure a few things with your subject line. Your subject line needs to make sure your email is opened and it needs to make sure the email gets past spam filters. So first of all, if you've got free special offer money off, those kind of things, um, it could get you into a spam filter. So you need to check it. There are ways of checking how spammy your email appears to be. One of the ones we use, we use Pure as an email tool. Um, If you go to pure360.com, you can get a free trial of the tool and it's actually got a spam checker built into it. There are various other spam checkers out there in the market. If you look at Google and just do email spam check, um, you'll see loads of bits of free software. Some are more effective than others, but we found the Pure tool to be quite good. The other thing is, okay, you want people to open your email from the subject line. So you need to make it quite interesting without being obtuse. Now, that's uh, without being difficult to understand. And it's not an easy thing to necessarily do. One of the key things is that a little bit of a call to action in an email kind of subject line can really help. So something like, how does your wage compare to others in your industry is one of the classic ones for getting people to open it up. Um, you know, how does your business do compared to the others? Give people an indication of what they can actually learn and get from their email at the end of the day. Okay. Think about your subject lines, but then when you send your email, think of a few variations and test it. If you've got 100,000 email addresses, don't just do two batches of 50,000 and see what happens. Pick a small segment first of 10,000 or 1,000, split that and send it, then send it out to the rest of your list. Don't use a massive amount of your data for testing because you'll find at the end of the day that you've lost a fair bit. Okay. Not that I'm suggesting you shouldn't test, test, test. One of the other key things with emails is continue to test and test and test. Okay, um, Split your list, split it three ways, split it five ways, test different subject lines, different calls to action, different headings, but do it one at a time because otherwise you'll make five changes, send it out, and you don't know which one of the changes has actually made the big difference, which is one of the biggest uh, mess-ups in variance testing that happens an awful lot. Okay, So of your 10 or your 10,000, Pick a few. I mean, I mean, to do proper testing, you, you're probably looking at numbers of the hundreds and thousands rather than the tens. It's quite hard to do testing without those kind of numbers. Okay. The other thing is that at the beginning of your email, okay, have a call to action as a text link. 
Now that sounds a bit counterintuitive. Normally the call to action comes at the end of the page. The logic behind this is that with um, Outlook 2007 and an awful lot of other email clients, people basically aren't seeing any of the images in your HTML, images, HTML emails until they've actually wanted to open them. They've said, yes, please open them. So quite often what they see is text and some missing images, and it just doesn't look very good. So if the first thing they see is a call to action and it's got a link of text, it gives them something to engage with and actually understanding what the whole thing's about. If you're doing HTML emails, use a two-column format. Um, I've seen a few people uh, write about this as well. And I, I, When I was kind of going through this podcast, I read about 400 top 10 tips on email marketing as well, and what other people have been saying about this stuff. Um, and a two-column um, design for email, and we found this with our clients and with our own emails, works well because it gets more above the fold. You've got a couple of key messages you want to get across, and it allows you to have two key messages at the top of the page before people scroll down. Okay, Now, that's really important because quite often the preview pane that people actually look at an email in is very small. So you want a couple of key messages at the top. If there's more information, they can look at it as they go down. I come back again to this testing, testing before you send. Now, this isn't just in terms of your, your headlines and your titles and the actual copy itself, but test in different email clients. On average now, people have 3.1 email accounts. I'm not really sure how you have point one of an email account. I don't think it would be particularly useful. But lots of people have got their work email. They've got a Gmail account or a Hotmail account. They might also have one they use on their mobile phone that's a Hotmail or something similar like that. Um, so bear in mind that your email may work and you may have been using the same template for six months and it's been brilliant, but it may not be working in all these other different email clients. So your click-through rates might go up if you actually just tested in a few different places. If you haven't, make sure you test your emails in Outlook 2007. It is abominable for destroying emails. Now, Dan, are you specifically talking about HTML emails here? Actually, for text as well, if they've got kind of rich links in them and things like that as well. And think about the width of the page, all those kind of things as well. Because even if you just test a plain text email with five different email clients, each of them will have a different size preview pane. It'll open up in a different size window and it'll make a big difference what's above the fold, below the fold, how it looks on the page, how busy it looks. So test both text and HTML emails, um, which is a very good point because a lot of people actually, they don't bother testing HTML, um, sorry, text emails because they just assume they're going to look fine. Okay. So have a real think about that. One of the things I've come across with tech, even just text emails is, is crazy wrapping of lines. Like you sort of, you make the lines really long sort of hoping that the email client at the other end will wrap sensibly. And you look at it in the email, and it's like got one long line, one tiny short line, another long line, another tiny short line. Yeah, a lot of email clients strip out line, uh, line feeds and uh, carriage returns. So what happens is that you try and format it really nicely in your text editor, you send it out, and it just strips it down to bare basics so it's not too long. So you do need to test all these different email clients. Also, if you can do it, start to look at mobile devices. How many people now get their emails on Blackberries and iPhones is phenomenal. So think about how they're going to display. A classic one on the iPhone, um, you'll get some email saying, this has not been formatted correctly. Please ask your, uh, the sender to resend in a different format. Well, that's absolutely useless. It's not really very helpful at all. So um, that's obviously an issue with the iPhone, but at the same time, have a look how you're sending emails. Are you making it too complicated? With uh, iPhones and Blackberries, people are even more quick to delete emails. It takes so long to download them and to reply and to read them and scroll through them, they're deleting them even more quickly. So do test them, different clients, Blackberries, iPhones, 
all the different kind of other phones that are on the market are becoming more important. But those are the two that we really test for at the moment because most people are using on a practical day-to-day basis. Okay. Um, some other things as well. This thing of mobile devices, it is going to become more and more important. And the future is mobile, isn't it? Well, it, it, you're seeing the kind of the iPhone isn't doing anything mobile devices couldn't do before, but the interface is easier to use. So what we're suddenly seeing now is better interface design in other phones as well, because they're realizing that has a big issue. So in order for you to get your emails working in all these different devices, which is actually going to become impossible to test in all of them, you want to make your emails as compliant as possible with the W3C standards. Okay, so have a look at the uh, W3C validator, which is validator.w3.org. And you want your email to be an absolutely 100% compliant XHTML. Okay, but then you need to test it in all the email clients as well, because if you start embedding all kinds of clever things that you can use in XHTML, they won't work in email a lot of the time. For example, background images, no good in emails anymore because of Outlook 2007. Okay. Do email clients generally, what I'm thinking about is when people try and embed fancy objects in the HTML, like for example, say they wanted to send an HTML email with, say for example, a nice flesh, flesh, a flash, (laughs) (laughs) yes, that would be interesting, a nice flash um, audio player button in it. Would that work in most email clients? Absolutely not. Um, The key thing is don't embed flash. Keep your images really simple. Don't try and, if you try and include anything, it's a bad idea. If you've got something, link to the website, get them to look at there. PDF, same thing. They'll distribute, but you're just sending out masses of masses of data. Um, more often than not, what we're trying to do is from an email, get people to the website or to a form and so on. So don't include too much in an email. People are only going to scan them. Um, even with newsletters, it's quite interesting. I had some interesting stats from newsletters. Um, the average time reading an email newsletter is about 51 seconds, which is significantly more time than somebody spends reading uh, a web page. So that's great. People do read through them a bit. 67% of people skip the introductory text. So they don't read their welcome to our weekly newsletter. What's the point? That, that text is actually nonsensical and it's just taking out the top of your page. Okay. Again, just like in the search engines, the first two words of the headlines are read on average. So get to the point. Don't welcome to our is a waste of time. Only about 19% of people actually fully read a newsletter though. Same thing as writing for the web. You've got headlines, a little bit of content, headlines, a bit of content, then jump them through to the website. So don't embed too much. Don't make them think. Get them through to the website at the end of the day. Um, and that way you'll actually find that you're getting people to your website. You can cross-sell them, upsell them, channel them through to what they're actually interested in. And just the last thing that I really want to say on email marketing is monitor, measure, adjust. Okay? How and what click-through rates are you getting? Really have a look at open rates, what people are looking through, what they're interested in. But adjust that and test it and then re- retry it. More often than not, what happens is you do a monthly newsletter. Two days before, you suddenly realize you've got a monthly newsletter to do. You go off and you panic, you pack it full of content, you send it out, and you don't change anything each time, so it doesn't get any better. And if you continue doing the same thing, I'll guarantee you that eventually your click-through rates and open rates will decline because the market's changing. People are becoming less and less tolerant of email. It's becoming harder and harder to filter through what's good information, what's not. But just because of that, bear in mind, email... Uh, someone is four times more likely to click on a marketing message in an email than they are on a web page. So if you've got someone's trust, if, if they've given you their email address to actually allow them to email them, get it right for them, and you've got a much better chance of getting them through to your website. I mean, email marketing is just so powerful, isn't it, Dan? I mean, you basically accumulate a list of people who have already told you that they're interested in what you've got to say and what you do, and you're basically feeding them information. 
Yeah, and don't think of it as, as permission marketing, as it's often called, is trust marketing. There's so many reasons to remove you um, from, their, from their kind of list of trusted email providers. So give them information, information that's useful to them. Don't send a newsletter because you, you send one. Make sure it's actually relevant. And don't fill newsletters with, we've got a new contract and aren't we clever? And look at the clever stuff we've done. It's got to be useful content to the user at the end of the day. So try and give them something practical that's useful for them. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what's going to get them turning into business for you. Well, Dan, some really fantastic tips and techniques there on uh, email marketing, how to make it better. I believe we've got a couple of um, email questions, have we not? Just moving on. Yeah, we absolutely have. Um, There's just a quick one here from Richard Fitzgerald, who is an account executive at Cybercom, which is a digital marketing company, which I certainly shouldn't be talking about them because they're obviously a competitor of ours. Um, So you won't want to read out their URL then, Dan? Absolutely not. But you can have a look at uh, cybercom.ie, since I'm feeling so generous. Key thing is, he's just said, uh, we were talking about brand monitoring a bit before. Brand monitoring, the whole idea of seeing what's going on online about your particular brand or a particular company. What Rich has actually asked is we talked about the company called Magpie. That's a local company that's done this fantastic brand monitoring software and just saying that he couldn't find it online. One of the key things to look at with this is if you go to brandwatch.net, that's the actual brand that you're using to promote this. Magpie is a development company. Brandwatch.net is the actual product. Um, and it's a great product. So I'd, I'd have a look at that. And, and uh, there's, some, there's some really useful information. There's some really clever stuff. It uses artificial intelligence to work out if what's being said is good or bad, how often it's being referenced and so on. So have a note of that and, uh, and good luck at playing with the tool. Thanks for that, Richard. And there is a, another one, is there not, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this was a hugely flattering email. So as I always say, flattery gets you everywhere. And this is from Unar O'Reilly. So I hope I'm pronouncing your first name right. Um, who is in Australia. So we seem to have a bit of a, a, a listenership in Australia. Well, you must read it out if it's flattering. Yeah, well, absolutely. Just saying, uh, I hope your day is flowing beautifully. And um, basically saying that they really liked our relaxed, organic and conversational style of our podcast. So they quite like us rambling like we normally do. Uh, and saying it was a godsend having recently discovered it of an avid subscriber so thank you very much the key question was really how can you listen to the first 16 podcasts um andy and i made a conscious effort that um we would only have the last batch of podcasts available the reason for this to be honest um andy would you like to suggest what the reason for that was excuse me i'm going to cough (coughs) sorry about that um Okay, we, look, we, we don't mind anyone listening to the first, you know, 16 or so episodes of, of the podcast, but we have to do a disclaimer. Um, the further back in time you go with our podcasts, the more comical they are, because it was the very early days of me producing podcasts. And I seem to remember, I have very fond memories of the very, very first podcast that, that, that me and Dan, well, we did. It was, there was, you were there, Dan, weren't you? And there was, there was, there was a few other, a couple of others I seem to remember, but we were literally huddled around a table. And instead of having a proper mic, I had this little sort of really wimpy, tiny sort of condenser mic that I, I got with a, um, a mini disc player that I'd bought years earlier. And I'd attached it to a weight to keep it in one place. And I think I was using an old tape recorder or a mini disc recorder to record it. And it was just really echoey and, and just rubbish, basically. I mean, the content was good, but the, the audio quality was, was horrendous. So you're, you're perfectly welcome to, to listen to them. And Dan will explain in a minute where you can find them, or certainly where you'll be able to find them in a week or two. Um, but just understand that um, 
you know, these early episodes aren't really a true reflection of <laughs> certainly my workmanship. And if you want a good laugh, listen to the first few episodes. My favourite thing is, well, if you look at us on iTunes, we're very popular on iTunes, still doing really well, normally in the top five kind of business and marketing podcasts, which we're really pleased about. But um, if you read our comments, there's, there's loads of really uh, positive comments. And I'd really encourage you to go and leave a positive comment for us in um, iTunes because it helps us kind of get the, uh, the podcast promoted. But um, there's one that says, content's great, but it's really amateurish. I can hear seagulls in the background, and I think there's a baby crying. And there was a baby crying in the background, I think, walking down, because we're in the South Lanes in Brighton, so there's lots of people passing by. So, uh, yeah, we, we like to keep it real. And my phone went off in one, and I just left it in and didn't edit it out. See if you can... There's a competition, viewers, listeners. See if you can spot the episode where my phone goes off. Yeah, absolutely, and I'll, I'll find some, some freebie to send you in return. Um, so, Oons in Oz, thank you very much for the question. I'm glad you want to actually listen to the other podcasts. Um, do bear in mind Andy's comments, but they will be available at uh, ai-digital.com forward slash podcasts. Okay, so that's ai-digital.com forward slash podcast. That's our normal website. Um, just go through to the podcast section, and you will find them all listed off in there sooner rather than later and be able to download them from there. And I think probably what we'll have, Dan, we'll probably have to have a separate little link near the bottom, like get, go and get the archived episode. Because the way it works is, on the actual RSS feed, we only have, I think, is it the last 20 episodes? I think it was the last 20. Yeah. So, of course, as each month goes by, another old episode will drop off the beginning, but they can be found. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And in the archive, so you will be able to get them. Yeah, and we've also started to record some specialist ones as well. So for particular sectors, I think we've done one in there for recruitment and we're looking at recording some others as well. So you may be interested to see what other podcasts we've done as well. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your expertise and your knowledge. And we'll finish the show off with part two of that interview with Kieran from UKSA. Enjoy. Hello there, and I'm talking to Kieran Rogers of UKSA in part two of uh, an interview over Skype. Uh, Kieran's over in the Isle of Wight. Hello, Kieran. Hello. Now, we talked last time about uh, your use of uh, Salesforce.com, which is uh, an online software-on-demand CRN system. And uh, we talked a little bit about its integration or the way you were integrating it with um, AdWords. 
But I want to talk about something else now, because I know you're using another plugin, aren't you, that helps you to manage um, the email responses? Yeah, yeah. It's a thing called uh, Sales Genius. And what Sales Genius enables me to do is to create on-the-fly email campaigns and and send them out to any of the inquiries that we've had through our CRM system. Nothing unusual about that. There's lots of systems that will will do that. The thing that really caught my eye about Sales Genius is it actually enables you, uh, if you include within your email links to content on your website enables you to actually track who looks at what, which really, really useful. Um, you're actually able to gather some really valuable information. And we're primarily using it as a, a lead qualification tool. Increasingly, we rely on online advertising to, to generate leads for our training courses. And uh, you do get very large volumes coming through uh, when, you, when you go on the online advertising, you get the right keywords and get the right campaigns going. And I really needed a tool which would uh, enable me to quickly find out who the hotter prospects were um, so that we could give them more, more time uh, to help and assist them uh, with, with, with what they were looking to do. It's, it's good. It, uh, what this, my sales team love it. They love the, the way it gives them the ability to, to really not have to pester everybody. You know, you, you can see from the actions people take who's really requiring our, our, our needs. And before we had this, we had a very lengthy process where we um, laboriously phone everybody who we'd actually inquired. And this enables us to really focus on the people who only really want help. Because very often you do fill out a form or, or request information on the web that, um, that you're not wanting uh, to be bothered about once you've, once you've been sent the information. Um, but, you know, equally you might want to know a lot more about it. And this tool has given us the ability to, to sift that out. So this is this actually a plug-in to Salesforce, Kieran, or yeah. is it a standalone thing? No, it is a it's a plugin for Salesforce, and I, I know it sounds like I'm a, must be on commission for Salesforce, but <laughs> I'm sure that's it's not the case. Um, it's just uh, that's the system we've been using for the last six years. Yeah, it, it, I came across this company. Um, Salesforce ran a conference every year. Uh, last year it was in San Francisco, and I'm very lucky to go along to it. And um, they have a huge area with all the different software developers who are using the, the force.com as a, as a development platform. And uh, you can go around all the different booths and, and, and speak with people and find out what they, what they do. There were quite a few companies were offering uh, this sort of functionality uh, within Salesforce. Um, but I really focused in on uh, Sales Genius because their offering was uh, much more cost-effective. Yeah, um, it's used by some quite big players. I mean, I know from speaking to Sales Genius that, that I believe BT um, make use of it. You know, okay, various other big companies. So, so give us a typical example of uh, some of the benefits that a tool like this uh, gives you. I mean, obviously, you know, you've done, you've you've, you've sent out um, maybe a newsletter or a, a, yeah. an offer to your to your list. What does Sales Genius let you do from that point on? Well, Sales Genius is, I, I think of it much less as a, a list tool. Um, there are other tools that are better for sort of mass broadcasting email. With Sales Genius, it's, it's much more a tailored tool to my sales team. So if you imagine I'm a salesperson um, and I have five new leads come in uh, that have inquired about our training courses, perhaps they're looking at career changes. Yeah. Um, this sales team member that, that owns those leads can actually send out a, a Sales Genius email. To, to just those new leads for that for that day, and we've developed some templates in it. One of one of the best templates uh, that we that we've made use of is, is one which actually explains different career options within the industry, um, and then links to the various different products that we have on our web page that provide you with an opportunity for careers in those areas. 
Um, and okay. it's been really valuable because off the back of sending uh, a lead uh, this email, um, I can actually see whether they uh, opened it, um, when they when they opened it, or, and which pages on our website they went to look at. Um, it's a little okay. bit big brotherish, I guess. But I, I mean, I would add you can only see what pages on your website that they've looked at. So if they go off and start looking at something else on the web, I've got no idea what what that is. Yeah, um, it's purely it is purely limited to pages within your own website. But it's really, really useful. And very often you can actually track through. You sort of get little snapshots, really. So, you know, you can um, go into Sales Genius and you have a, a little list which constantly updates itself and gives you the person who's most recently looked at one of your Sales Genius emails. Yeah. Um, and it'll tell you how long they've spent on average on each of the pages. Um, even down to actually being able to see actually this person is on our website now and they're looking at the, this page. In real time. Spent, yeah, in real time. Um, so mm. it's it, very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. So it sounds more like a, it sounds like the, 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 the way you would use this tool is not so much for broadcasting newsletters and offers and things like that, but more to no. respond to specific inquiries. So presumably it, it, you have like a number of templates that you can make on the system. We do, yeah. You can create as many templates as you want. We, mm. Within the, the standard Sales Genius contracts that we've got, I think mean, we have access to send 2,500 emails a month. And you'd very quickly absorb that if you were sending everybody an email. Yeah. And it would actually be, you get swamped with data. And this is giving you quite a lot of detailed information on what people do with what you, you, you send to them. Um, so I, it just wouldn't be effective like that. It is very much about sending to, to targeted leads um, to find out a little bit more. Uh, one of the nice features is that I, can, I, could, I could, maybe I'm dealing with slightly numbers, maybe bigger numbers, and perhaps I'm dealing with 15 to 20 leads a day. Um, I could send email one, uh, which could contain some interesting content. Mm. Um, and then I could very easily sort out, well, okay, everybody that uh, looked at email one, I'd like to send them email two. Automatically. So sort of like, automatically, yeah. Oh, nice. sort of filters, yeah. Filters, filters, that, filters that down. What tends to happen is the sales team prefer to send things out manually because these emails are quite personalized um, uh, and by by na- nature of that, they're, they're, they're quite motivating. And I, I think it's a very poor show to send out quite a personalized email en masse. Mm. Um, and then when the person responds to it in quite a personal way, they kind of just get sort of robot robot response. <laughs> Who are you? Um, uh, yeah, exactly. It was like, well, what was that all, all, all about? Um, why, are you, why are you bothering me? I'm busy. Yeah. Um, so it's as a company, we really believe on, on customer relationship. Uh, in building a, a really good relationship and there's a lot of trust people put in us um, if they're coming to us to retrain for new careers um, so you know we like to pull that through into all the processes that we're that we're working working with and sales genius has given us a very powerful tool for for, for doing that kieran do you think you could um quantify in any way the sort of um, sales boost that you've gained from using this type of system? Because I love these type of systems, these sort of semi-automated or marketing assistant systems, as I like to call them. Uh, these systems that sort of yes. um, track what's going on and do ev- and, or suggest to humans everything that they can do to help waft more and more people into the sales funnel, but then also look after them. What sort of, pro- sort of gains have you, have you sort of experienced? Mm-hmm. I, mm, I mean, there's so many. Um, and as you say, they aren't quite difficult to quantify. I would say that because of these tools, I'm able to focus my team of four 
uh, and focus their time on the leads that are genuinely interested in us. Before I had these tools, I had to focus their team, the team across the board on all leads. You know, so literally everybody had to have the, the follow-up calls, whether they wanted it or not, because it was my only way of, of sorting out who was genuinely interested and who was just, just casually inquiring. Mm. Um, I mean, our team typically have around 100 new inquiries every, every week uh, from the campaigns that we, that we run. Um, that can be as high as 150 uh, in a week. That may not sound much, um, but when you consider we'll be in contact with those customers for uh, anything up to three to four months before they might make a decision to actually retrain. Mm. Um, that's quite a lot of toing and toing and froing. And when you happen to phone 20 people who come through an AdWords uh, campaign who were just very casually browsing, um, you, you can't help but feel like you're wasting your time and theirs and uh, being a little bit intrusive. Mm. Um, Whereas by using some more targeted emails uh, and using some of these tools, you're actually able to allow them to qualify them, yeah. them, themselves. And a lot of the tools that we use uh, within Salesforce are very focused on that, you know, allowing the customers to qualify, qualify themselves. Mm. Um, and that means I can dedicate far more of my uh, team's advisory time actually helping the customers who really need the help uh, rather than um, spending a lot of time it might only be two or three minutes, but two or three minutes over 30 people, is, those, those, those hours soon build up. Yeah. I would say over the course of a year, we, we, I don't know, I, I, I would hazard a guess that we'd probably gain an extra three weeks of time yeah. amongst the team just with, this, just with this one tool. Karen, thank you so much for talking to us. I'm very, so glad we had this conversation because most of what we talk about on internet marketing is to do with a sort of widespread marketing of your product or service. But, but this is much more close. It's when the, the clients get very close to the funnel, and this is more about sort of wafting them in. It's, it's more, almost more yeah. of a sales process, isn't it? And it's using yeah, it's, the internet to sort of finish off that sales process and sort of close yeah. the deal, which is yeah. why I find it so interesting. And I love the way we have uh, these systems. And if, if, you, if you can get the right tools, like you're, you obviously have got the right tools, you can sort of produce a system that sort of semi-automates that process. It's not fully automated, but semi-automates it. It makes it easier for the humans to sort of fulfill that final sales task, if you like. Absolutely. I, I think the really important thing with these online systems is that they're very, very flexible in terms of what you do. I hate the term process um, because when I'm dealing with customers, these, these are genuine people. You know, they have interests and needs and, and, and lives. And mm. as soon as you start processing people, you're just in the wrong place <laughs> yeah, yeah. completely. And, and you're just going to be a bit of a pain in the ass um, for them, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because these tools are very customizable, uh, you're really able to tailor the customer experience to, to a good one, to a positive one. Yes. Um, and, and, and really focus the, the time and, and help and assistance on the people who really want that time, help and assistance. So, I mean, that would be the thing I'd encourage everybody to, who's perhaps looking at automating processes to look at. But by all means, automate things because that builds in all sorts of efficiencies and gives all sorts of time gains and, and advantages to a business. Um, but really make sure you, you, you keep that human element hardwired in there somewhere um, because it's the one thing customers really like. Well, that's fantastic. Now, listen, I've got one more question for you because I know that you've been completely unrelated to CRM systems and um, online systems like that, but you have been using quite a nice um, 
online video service to good effect, haven't you? You want to tell us about a little bit about we, that? Um, yeah, this was something I um, sought out to solve a problem that we were having. It's a thing called Jing, J-I-N-G, and um, it's a really neat little application. There's lots of software out there that you can buy which enables you to record kind of screencasts, record action on a screen and, and supply a, a, an audio voiceover uh, to, to go with that. Um, but they're quite pricey and uh, working for a charity. Obviously, spending uh, money on software isn't a high priority. We'd far rather spend it on helping uh, young kids and children get into water sports. Yeah. And um, we, um, we were looking for a solution to achieve this. And um, somebody flagged up Jim. And I think it's a bit, it's a bit special. It's a bit brilliant. Um, it's a free application. Uh, you can uh, get it for Mac or PC, which was a big plus for me because I, I love using Mac, but I know not everybody does. Mm. Um, and uh, it enables you to um, record uh, a screencast. So this is a recording of what's going on with your screen with, a, with an audio voiceover where you sort of may perhaps walk somebody through an application or how to do something yeah. on the computer. We've all seen them. They're quite common uh, when you get new new software applications, you can do the whole video tutorials and enables you to create something like that. Um, but the whole thing's free, um, which mm. is bizarre. And it, what it does is it creates a, a flash video uh, of the whole thing. For An you. FLV. Yeah. Um, and um, and it'll upload it onto a, a free server so you can share it with other people. It just keeps getting better and better. So it's basically a piece of software that you download locally, install on your yeah. local PC. Yeah. You, it, you then use it to capture whatever you're doing on the screen, and then presumably you press a button and it uploads it to a free storage service somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, they, the, the company that do it generated it for their own use. For, uh, I think they're a software developer. And they thought it was so good they should share it with other people. That's fantastic, um, isn't it? it? It does have one limitation, which I, I found. You can only record five minutes worth okay. of stuff. So there I was busy waffling on for 10 minutes, and I only captured <laughs> the first five. But it was a steep learning curve. But uh, actually, that's a good thing, you know, because actually no one wants to listen to a 20-minute presentation. It, it's like it would be like watching somebody's holiday oh. movies um, from beginning to end. Uh, it's, not, it's not a good experience. You just want to uh, go in there, get the information you want, and get out. And what we found is that you can use it to... Uh, if you need to extend it, you could do sort of four or five short how-tos, yeah. each one focused on a specific topic. And from a marketing perspective, it's got all sorts of uses. Uh, we run a recruitment website called yachtcareers.com, and uh, uh, that enables our uh, students to put their CVs online and promote themselves to, to employers within the yachting and water sports industry. And uh, we quite often uh, get people who, now, they're coming into water sports. They didn't really see it was a requirement that they became IT experts. And uh, when you're sort of walking them through how to use the online database and put mm. their CVs up and upload photos of themselves and stuff, it can be very time-consuming doing that one-to-one. Um, and they don't tend to work terribly well with written instructions because they just tend to tie themselves up in knots and get lost. So we're looking to, um, to create uh, a number of these kind of short video how-tos and make them available for the, for the students to make these sort of you, all sorts of marketing applications, um, depending on what you, you're doing. You just kind of need to start thinking, well, what could I demonstrate? It might be a PowerPoint presentation or a sales presentation that you might ching mm. up there. It's all very easy, all very straightforward, and once it's installed, you can ging to your heart's content. It's always good, isn't it? To um, I, I always think that one of the, one of the uh, number one rules of marketing is to be useful and help people. Because then that that will help, you know, sort of 
you, you would tend to gain a reputation as someone who is a helper and someone who's trustworthy, just building trust. So if you build, um, or if you make some videos that show people how to use stuff or how to do common things that a lot of people find difficult, then that's probably a good thing. A couple of questions. What sort of control do you have over the, for example, the size of the video? And can you edit it if you fluff up? Uh, you, you can. You can, add, you can export it as a uh, as an editable flash file. Yeah. Um, and you can download the, the videos that you create to edit within external uh, applications. Right. To be honest, I haven't bothered because it just looked more work than in, than, yes. than the need for the way I've used it. Um, but no, fairly, fairly flexible. The whole thing doesn't just exist online. You can download yeah. um, the, the, the files and convert into different formats. Well, that's a fantastic tip, Kieran. Thank you so much for that. And, and well, thanks for talking to us again. My, my pleasure. I'd be really interested to find out how people use it. Now, even actually just down to showing your colleagues, we use it quite a bit here for, for staff training. We're just about to move away from uh, Outlook and move on to uh, Gmail. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to know I shall be creating some G movies to actually show staff how to do fairly rudimentary things. Oh, well, someone my way. Yeah, yeah. You, you, are you a big Gmail fan? I've recently got into it. I don't use it that much at the moment, but I can see it might go up possibly in the future because I'm one of these people that have got about 50,000 email addresses <laughs> and, and, my, and my Gmail account is just, just one other of those 50,000. Yeah. Uh, but I actually use Gmail. I, I actually use it for backing up, to be honest. I have a, a Linux server okay. and it just backs up every day and just Gmails it as an attachment to, to my Gmail account. And every so often I'll go in and have a tidy up. But uh, that's, that's what I use it for, which is probably a bit, a bit of a strange use. But, uh, uh, yes, Gmail is quite useful. Yeah, we're looking to use the, um, the calendaring feature, shared calendaring feature. Oh, I love, I love Google um, Calendar. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we'll be rolling out Google, Google Apps. Um, yeah, a little, little bit scared of doing that, but it's the time. Or well, perhaps that's another interview. We shall have to talk to you again about that. See how you get on. Yeah, give give us give us a couple of months to get it, get our feet under the table with it. So yeah, I'd be very happy to, to talk about how that goes. Well, Kieran, you're starting to break up, so that's probably a good time to end the interview. Thank you so much for your time. And just once again, your web address is is www.uksa.org. Fantastic, Kieran Rogers. Thank you very very much indeed. Thank you, Andy. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would really like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at ai-digital.com and feel free to send in MP3 files as well and we'll play them. If you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this show delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes. Just search under the Business and Marketing and Management Categories Or you can find us at FeedBurner at feeds.feedburner.com slash academyim. We'd also encourage you to leave comments on iTunes. Well, this is Andy White signing off, wishing you the best until we see you next time on Internet Marketing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.